your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 505 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. It is free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, got to talk about an awesome win for the New York Rangers on New Year's Eve, going into Tampa, knocking off the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning 4-3 in a shootout, just a wild back-and-forth game, a game that felt pretty important for the Rangers. You know, they've scuffled a little bit since winning 11 out of 12. And as we've talked about recently, they seem to have been having some issues against, you know, the truly elite teams in the league. And I believe their record against teams in playoff position was 3-8-2 and two coming into this. So it really started to feel like, you know, the Rangers, they got to knock off a, a good team. They, they got to send a message here. They got to pick up a big win. And, you know, it's been a great start to the season for the Rangers. And it's New Year's Eve. You want to end 2021 on a positive note if you're this New York Ranger team. And what better way to do that than by going into Tampa and getting a dramatic win? And that's exactly exactly what they do. Uh, I don't want to bury the lead here, so let's dive right into the shootout. And Mika Zibanejad wins the game, a walk-off goal in the uh, bottom of the third, so to speak there. He was the only player for either team to score in the shootout. And, uh, you know, just made a great move. He went in up the left side, came back to the right, and just, you know, really quick hands, snaps a shot right by Brian Elliott. Uh, so that won the game for the Rangers. But got to give credit to Igor Shesterkin, another pretty strong performance. You know, anytime you're going up against this Tampa Bay Lightning team uh, to hold them to just three goals, and uh, not only that, but then also hold them scoreless in the overtime period, and then stop all three of their shooters in the shootout. You had Victor Hedman. Uh, Igor stayed with him all the way. Hedman went in slow. Igor got a piece of it with his glove. Uh, Hedman was the first shooter for Tampa Bay. Then, of course, you had Capo Caco going for the Rangers. Goes in with a lot of speed. Uh, made a really nice move. He went across the crease and then tried to pull it to his backhand, but put it just wide of the net. Uh, it looked dangerous. It looked close to going in, but just a little bit wide. And then Steven Stamkos for the Lightning. He was three for three coming into this on the season, but he actually shot wide, so the Rangers got a little bit of a break there. Uh, You get Artemi Panarin. You always think he's going to score. He went really wide up the left side, went in, stick-handled on the doorstep, made a bunch of moves, and uh, Elliott was flat on his stomach, but somehow able to grab it with his glove. And then uh, Braden Point, who I've said, you know, I know the Lightning have a lot of uh, really good players. This guy absolutely terrifies me. Uh, He was one for two on the season going in. Went in with, uh, you know, a lot of speed, but Igor uh, stretched out his left pad, Great stretch of his legs and uh, makes the save there, keeps the puck from going in. And just kind of, he kind of just laid there flat to make sure that the puck wasn't going to trickle in. And, you know, it was right there uh, in front of his left pad there. And that set the stage for Mika Zibanejad to score, like I said, the only goal of the the, uh, shootout there and give the Rangers the dramatic walk-off victory. But this is a great win for the Rangers. It was a great homecoming for Barclay Goodrow. I don't want to go another second on here without talking about what he did. And it's funny because we did a crossover preview edition with Adam Denker, my good friend from Locked on Tampa Bay Lightning, and we were talking about this game and, you know, doing predictions for the two-game set, all that good stuff. Uh, But one thing, and I swear to God this is true, I didn't get to, to make this point, 
You know, anytime we do these crossover episodes, I have a whole bunch of things written down and we usually don't get to all of them. I swear this is true, though. I wanted to make the prediction that I thought Barclay Goodrow would at least get on the scoreboard and probably score at least one goal. Uh, you know, I thought he looked dangerous. He was one of the best Rangers on the ice in that game against Florida. He just seemed like he was in the middle of everything. And I just thought sooner or later, you know, especially with him going back to Tampa, it was just going to happen. He was going to get one past his old team. He ends up scoring twice. So just a phenomenal homecoming. I know that uh, during the first TV timeout, the Tampa Bay Lightning played a tribute video to Barclay Goodrow. You know, they showed clips of him scoring goals and blocking shots and getting into fights the whole nine yards. Uh, they welcomed him back. They also gave him his Stanley Cup ring earlier in the day. He was kind of meeting with some of his old teammates. But then, you know, the puck drops and it's all business. And Barclay Goodrow comes through big for the New York Rangers, scoring a pair of goals, including one that was shorthanded. Uh, this was a thing of beauty. Great play by Greg McKegg here as well. He's into the attacking zone. He's along the boards. And he kind of spins and makes a backhand pass to the center of the ice to Barclay Goodrow. Goodrow goes in, uh, you know, with some speed and tucks the puck five hole through Brian Elliott. So that was a great shorthanded goal for the Rangers that got the Rangers back into the game, tied it at two. And then a little bit later in the, uh, this would have been, let's see, the third period, I believe, Goodrow scored his second goal of the night. And yes, this was with 625 remaining in the third period. It snapped a 2-2 two -to -two tie. And this one came from Ke'Andre Miller. He had Panarin passing to Ke'Andre Miller. Miller winds back, takes a shot from the blue line, and Goodrow's in front of the net, and he deflects it home. So that gave the Rangers a 3-2 to two lead, like I said, pretty late in the third. Unfortunately, they surrendered uh, the game-tying goal to Corey Perry with less than two minutes remaining, and then the Rangers couldn't convert on a late power play in the third period. So the Rangers got a power play in the late portions of the third period, could not convert there. It spilled into the overtime period for 46 seconds. Uh, they couldn't convert there either. So uh, they didn't make it easy. Obviously, the Rangers, you know, you, you don't want to give away the, the lead late like they did in this one. But, you know, hey, you're going up against uh, probably the best team in the league. I mean, I don't know how you could definitively say that they're not the best team in the league, given where they are in the standings, their record, and the fact that they've won the last two Stanley Cups. And this is a huge, huge win for the Rangers. I know I said that in the intro, but you know what? You're going up against a the two-time defending champs in their building. You're scuffling a little bit lately, and the Lightning were white hot coming into this game. And, and their most recent game against the Florida Panthers, notwithstanding, because uh, this game between the Rangers and Lightning was on Friday. On Thursday, the Tampa Bay Lightning played the Florida Panthers, and they lost 9-3. to So that was obviously uh, kind of an out-of-nowhere butt-kicking. I realize, you know, obviously Tampa's dealing with some COVID issues like a lot of teams around the NHL are. But prior to that loss to the Panthers, the Lightning had won 9 out of 10 games. And the Rangers, like we said, they've been scuffling a little bit. So to go into Tampa Bay and, uh, you know, take down a team that had been on fire, that's very, very impressive. And now, you know, you look at this two-game set against Tampa, and coming into it, I would have probably said, like, yeah, you know, two games against Tampa. If you tell me the Rangers can have a split here, I'll probably take it. Because like we said, Rangers have been struggling a little bit. And after winning 11 out of 12, you don't want to see all that hard work go to waste with a, a lengthy losing streak or a lengthy bad streak. So if you can win just one out of two against Tampa, uh, that would be great. Now you get to be a little bit greedy and hey, you got a chance to sweep the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. So that's obviously a pretty cool situation to be in, and we'll see if the Rangers can get the job done on Sunday. The puck drops at 12.30 for that one. Uh, but we're just kind of scratching the surface here where we keep talking about uh, some of the finer points of this game, including a coaching decision made by Gerard Gallant that I think really made a lot of sense, and uh, we will get to that in just a second, like I said. But first, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. It is the new year. 
So that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there are so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, just wanted to thank you guys, as always, for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so a second ago, I mentioned about how Gerard Gallant made a move in this game that I really liked, and a lot of you can probably already figure out what it is and what I'm going to talk about here. But uh, in this game, you know, the Rangers, they obviously had a very lackluster first period, and Fortunately, they lived to tell about it. They they got it together in the second period and played a strong game after that. A lot of times, I mean, you play one bad period against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, that's about all she wrote. You know, you're not going to be able to overcome that. The Rangers were able to overcome that. They were down just one to nothing at the end of the first period and came back. But the move that Gallant made was he flip-flopped Barclay Goodrow and Dryden Hunt. Uh, we've talked about Dryden Hunt. It's been a lot of fun to, you know, kind of see him overachieve this season, carve out a much bigger role for himself on this Ranger team than I think probably any of us possibly could have guessed coming into the season, and he's been up there on the second line with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom, and Barclay Goodrow has mostly been playing on the fourth line alongside Greg McKaig and Ryan Reeves, and in this game, like I said, they flip-flopped Goodrow and Hunt. Hunt moves down to the fourth line. I don't know that either Hunt or Goodrow is going to be the long-term uh, solution for the, the third player on the second line for this New York Ranger team. I guess you could do that. You know, it's possible, and it does seem like Panarin and Strom like to play with a grinder there, but I get the feeling, you know, as we've talked about on here before, the Rangers are going to be buyers at the trade deadline. I don't know how aggressive they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to bring in, a, you know, a ton of new players or anything like that, uh, but I would be surprised if they didn't uh, at least add one, you know, pretty solid piece to this already strong New York Ranger team. When they do that, it could very easily be that they're, they're bringing in somebody that they can finally plug in to the uh, second line right wing spot. And we'll, we'll keep our eye on that. Obviously, we'll talk trades as the trade deadline gets closer. Uh, but for right now, I think this was a great move to make in this game because as we talked about, Barclay Goodrow was one of the best Rangers on the ice against the Florida Panthers, came close to scoring a couple of times. And clearly, Gallant had been impressed by what he did and decided to move him up the lineup. And maybe part of that too is the fact that Goudreau is up against his old team and he wants to put him in a more prominent position. They had the Barclay Goudreau line, the fourth line start this game uh, to get Goudreau out there on the ice for the opening faceoff. But yeah, nice to see Goudreau rewarded for, you know, again, really kind of standing out in a positive way for the Rangers over these last couple of games here. And he rewards his coach's confidence by scoring two goals. Uh, Dryden Hunt, I don't think he did anything, you know, terribly wrong or anything like that. But you watch Dryden Hunt play and he just looks like a fourth line player. We've talked about how determined this guy is to win puck battles along the boards. He's very, very physical, and I thought that fourth line had another strong night uh, in this game for the Rangers, uh, whether it's, you know, 
Gaudreau playing there or Dryden Hunt playing there. Whichever three players were out there on the fourth line for the Rangers, uh, they, they were really strong in this game as well. And we saw them, uh, you know, while they were shorthanded, both guys, uh, Greg McKaig and Barclay Goodrow chipping in for a goal. You know, McKaig with a really nice pass to Goodrow and Goodrow finishing on the doorstep. But yeah, very, very cool to see Goodrow uh, get a chance to play with Panarin and Stroman. He took advantage of it. And something else that the Rangers did as part of this move or at least as far as I could tell, you know, watching this game, as far as, you know, how much I noticed, uh, it seemed like they mostly had Barclay Goodrow at center and Ryan Strom on the right wing. And it's funny because, you know, we're so used to the Rangers being thin at center, you almost forget that Ryan Strom can play center or right wing. He's capable of playing both positions. He just always plays center because, again, that's kind of been the position where the Rangers have been uh, a little bit thin over these past couple of seasons. Although now, with everything that's happening with right wing, you know, no more Pavel Buchnevich, no more Colin Blackwell, Sammy Blay out for the season because of a dirty play by P.K. Subban, and Vitaly Krasov doing whatever he's doing in the KHL right now. Yeah, all of a sudden, you get a pretty gaping hole at right wing as well. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I get the feeling that in the next game against the Lightning, the Rangers might stick with these line combinations. You could see Goudreau centering Panarin and Strom on the second line. And given how Goudreau has played recently, I'm all for it. Let, let's see some more of that. And, you know, Ryan Strom can play on the right wing a little bit. It's funny because you just look at Goudreau and Strom. If you're going to have the two of them on the same line, you might as well have Goudreau at center and Strom on the right wing. Because, again, just looking at them, you know, Goudreau looks like the big, tough center Ryan Strom looks like kind of the speedy right winger. Um, but beyond that, you know, as far as faceoffs are concerned, you got a better chance of winning a faceoff with Barclay Goodrow. And that's another reason that I like this move because you get the Artemi Panarin line on the ice. Man, you want to win some faceoffs, especially if it's, you know, an offensive zone draw. You want the center to be able to win it clean and uh, basically just set up shop and go to work at that point and get Artemi Panarin as many scoring chances as possible. And if you can do that by having Barclay Goodrow at center, somebody who has won half of his faceoffs this year, whereas Ryan Strom has won just 44% of his faceoffs. I'm definitely intrigued by this trio here. So we'll see if they stick with that going forward. Like I said, I don't know that Goudreau or Dryden Hunt is necessarily the long-term solution in a top six role, but both guys have taken advantage of opportunities here, and it's, it's not like they're killing the Rangers being in a top six role. So we'll keep our eye on that going forward, but definitely wanted to talk about that move by Gerard Gallant, and it definitely uh, paid off in this game. Barclay Goudreau scoring a pair of goals for the Rangers. The Rangers also made a pregame adjustment going into this game as well, and we're going to talk about that as well as some other highlights from, once again, this big 4-3 shootout victory against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We will do that in just a second. All right, so another move that the Rangers made before this game started here, they did a little bit of juggling on the blue line. They actually put Patrick Nemeth with Adam Fox. And in fact, I should back up just a second here. In these last two games here that the Rangers have played, obviously no Ryan Lindgren, who of all the players on the COVID list, that probably hurts the Rangers uh, more than anybody else as far as you know being without a certain player, especially when you're going up against a high-powered team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but what the Rangers did here... They, for the last two games, have had Truba and Miller sort of listed as, like, the top pairing. And, you know, you hear that, and it's like, well, why would, Ad why would Adam Fox be anywhere other than the top pairing? But obviously, it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, Adam Fox has led the Rangers in minutes per game over these last two games anyway. In fact, last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, Adam Fox, and you got to remember, this game included five minutes of overtime as well. But nevertheless, he still was out there for 30 minutes and 52 seconds. That includes six minutes and 31 seconds of power play time, and three minutes and 36 seconds of shorthanded time. So it's basically just semantics, the fact that him and Libor Hayek, or in this case, him and Patrick Nemeth, have been listed as the second pairing. Regardless, Adam Fox is very, very likely most nights to lead the Rangers in time on ice, as he has done for each of these last two games. But in this one, like I said, uh, actually in each of the last two games, you've had 
Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba listed as the top pairing, which I like. I mean, there's no reason to break up that pairing. You know, it's tough because you lose Ryan Lindgren and you do kind of see this trickle-down effect. You just stick in the new player with Adam Fox, you know, the new guy who's going to be in the lineup with Adam Fox, or do you kind of shuffle the entire deck? Uh, for the first game, the Rangers simply just put Libor Hayek with Adam Fox, so that was interesting to see. But then in this one, uh, they switched it up a little bit. Miller and Truba still listed as the top pairing, but then you had Fox and Patrick Nemeth as the second pairing. Now, it's interesting because in the pregame, you know, graphics that are on screen, you know, they show you the line combinations, they show you the defense pairings, all that good stuff. They still had Fox with Hayek, but as Sam Rosen was quick to point out, Fox was actually starting that game with Patrick Nemeth, and then you had a third pairing of Libor Hayek and Niels Lundqvist. And obviously, you know, that's kind of an inexperienced pairing. I mean, you, you almost have to do that because when you look at this Ranger, you know, defenseman core right now, especially missing Ryan Lindgren, nobody really has that much experience outside of Jacob Truba and Patrick Nemeth. And obviously, lack of experience is not an issue for some of these guys, but you get the idea. Uh, regardless of how you line up, you're probably going to have at least one pairing where they don't have a ton of experience. And obviously, uh, that is somewhat the case for Libor Hayek and Nils Lundqvist. Um, so very, very interesting to see how the Rangers might look to line up on the blue line. I mean, Ryan Lindgren could be back for the next game. It's at least possible. We'll see how that shakes out. Haven't heard anything definitively as of Saturday morning here, but yeah, I mean, just kind of uh, an interesting combination there. Putting Nemeth with Adam Fox, I think for the most part, it worked fine. And uh, like I said, we will keep our eye on that going forward. To kind of go over a couple other highlights from this game, you know, we talked about Barclay Goodrow's two goals. We might as well talk about uh, the third Ranger goal, which was actually the first Ranger goal, but that one was scored by Alexi Lafreniere. And, you know, we've talked about this third line of the Rangers. They've been giving them a lot of rope. I mean, pretty much every game, night in and night out, you're seeing Philip Heedle centering Alexi Lafreniere and Julian Gauthier. There haven't really been any changes, any adjustments. That's uh, one of the lines, along with, I guess, maybe the top line that's really kind of stayed intact uh, for a long, long time here. And, you know, we've talked about how the third line, they create chances. They just can't seem to, to finish those chances, but they were able to finish a chance here. And Julian Gauthier will not get an assist on this play. Technically, it's an unassisted goal for Alexi Lafreniere, but Gauthier made this whole thing happen. The puck was behind the Tampa Bay net. The Rangers are down one nothing, And to this point in the game, the Rangers had done absolutely positively nothing offensively. And we've kind of been alluding to, you know, their slow start. Just to kind of go on a quick tangent here and, and just let you know how anemic it really was in the first period for the Rangers. Uh, 16 minutes, 16 plus minutes into the first period, the Rangers had a grand total of one shot on goal. And at the end of the first period, they were being outshot 10 to 3. And I, I never want to be that guy that just yells, shoot, shoot, shoot. But in this case, I'm willing to make an exception because when you can play 16 minutes of a game and you have just one shot on goal, yeah, I think you have to start throwing the puck on the net a little bit more often. But, you know, it, it's funny because even as I say that, I don't think that the Rangers' lack of shots on goal in the first period was really due to them passing on good scoring opportunities or passing when they should shoot or anything like that. They couldn't even get anything set up. They couldn't even establish possession in the Tampa Bay zone. Um, you know, there were a couple of instances, you know, they got one or two chances on the power play. There was a scramble in front of the Tampa Bay net on the first power play of the game for the Rangers in the first period. Um, but that didn't even lead to a shot on goal, and the Tampa Bay eventually got it out of there. But yeah, I mean, the Rangers, they couldn't even gain entry. It seems like they would get to the blue line. They would try to carry it over the blue line. It would get knocked away to the boards. Tampa would clear just as quickly. Uh, or there were 
too many instances where the Rangers were kind of back on their heels. Tampa was spending a lot of time in the Rangers zone, and then, you know, you're at the end of a shift, and you're tired and everything, and by that point, all the Rangers can do is gain the red line, dump it into the zone, and go off for a change. So there was just very, very little happening. Like I said, it's not even a case of the Rangers refusing to shoot, refusing to pull the trigger on a shot trying to be too picky, looking for that perfect play. They couldn't even get set up. They couldn't even set themselves up with a scoring chance. Uh, so, obviously, once again, to this point in the game, into the second period here, the Rangers were doing absolutely nothing. The second period didn't start really any better because Mika Zibanejad took a really bad uh, high-sticking penalty to start the second period. That was literally like two seconds into the second period there. But then, like I said, you know, the Rangers, they get a much-needed jolt from the third line here. Uh, Julian Gauthier pressuring Brian Elliott, who's behind the Tampa Bay net, trying to get the puck away from him, and Elliot tries to, you know, a little bit of a panic move, tries to pass the puck up the ice, I guess, and then uh, Alexi Lafreniere knocks it down, steals the puck cleanly, and puts it right into the net, and uh, just a great play by Julian Gauthier there. Like I said, he really deserves an assist on the play. He's not going to get one because he never touched the puck, but Alexi Lafreniere uh, buries it, and the Rangers back in the game, and like I said, the Rangers really needed that because to that point in the game, this is uh, 5.30 into the second period, I believe. Yes, 5.30 into the second period. The Rangers had done next to nothing offensively, and I think this woke them up, got them going a little bit, so that was obviously very good to see. For Alexi Lafreniere, it is his seventh goal of the season, and I know that you know, I mean, and you can count me among you. There are definitely Ranger fans who would like to see a little bit more offense out of Alexi Lafreniere. I don't think that's unfair to say at this point. But, you know, despite his relative struggles this season, he is now alone in fourth place on the New York Rangers for most goals this season. He trails only Kreider, Panarin, and Zibanejad. So, Yes, it would be nice to get a little bit more of Alexi Lafreniere, but it's not like he's done nothing. It's not like he hasn't helped the Rangers in any way, shape, or form in any of these games here. And it was just really nice to see that third line kind of get rewarded uh, for their hard work there. And there might be some people who, you know, some Lafreniere naysayers who kind of roll their eyes and say, come on, that was the easiest goal that anybody will ever score. And it, yes and no, because... Once Lafreniere had possession of the puck, yeah, I mean, he just had to tap it in. He'll never get an easier goal in his life than that. But... If Lafreniere isn't hustling into the zone, if he doesn't have his stick down on the ice, if he's not anticipating the puck maybe coming toward him, there's a very good chance that the puck's going to bounce away from him and the Rangers aren't going to be able to, you know, put it into the empty net. Elliot's going to have plenty of time to get back into his crease before that can happen. So Lafreniere really had to steal this thing clean, which is exactly what he did, and, you know, ends up scoring the goal that gets the Rangers back in the game. And he also made a really nice defensive play a little bit later in this game. Uh, Tampa had a great chance in front of the Ranger net, and Lafreniere put a check on the guy with the puck, went back the other way, and Lafreniere made a centering pass for Gautier. Gautier sent it just wide because, of course. No, I mean, listen, I, I like this third line. I, Gautier's been somebody that's kind of always been my dark horse. You know, I've always talked about him on here that, you know, I think there is something that lies within. You know, we don't always see it. I, I feel like he's somebody that has a chance to become a really good player in this league uh, despite, you know, not having the offensive numbers to back up that theory, at least as of now. Uh, but yeah, you know, Lafreniere to Gautier here had a great scoring chance. Gautier put it just wide. So uh, again, I do like that Gallant is giving this third line a lot of rope and a lot of opportunities to try and figure this thing out. We just keep our fingers crossed and hope that sooner rather than later, they really take off. Because if this third line starts producing like a trio of first-round draft picks, which is exactly what they are, then that's when you really start to say, look out if you're a Ranger fan. Because we know Kreider's a beast, Panarin's Panarin, Mika's Mika, Fox is Fox. I mean, these guys are known commodities, but if these young kids can really take a step forward, that's when you start going from, yeah, wow, this is a nice season to, wow, this team, that we got, this is a contending team. You know, this is a team that could do some damage come playoff time.
And, you know, while we're on the subject of the Rangers, you know, are they just a playoff team that's going to get in and kind of bow out quietly? Are they a team that could actually be a serious contender and potentially make a deep run? You know, that remains to be seen. But I will say, you know, and there's no better time to talk about this than now because the Rangers just played the Tampa Bay Lightning. I see some parallels between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I see some similarities between the approach that Tampa Bay took to kind of vault themselves over the top. You know, for, for so long, they were kind of labeled as the great regular season team. And the only way to kind of uh, shed that moniker is to go win a Stanley Cup. And, of course, Tampa's won the last two Stanley Cups. But if you look at what Tampa Bay did, how did they really kind of push themselves over the edge? What kind of brought them to that next level? What made them a dangerous playoff team when in the past, you know, again, the dreaded great regular season team was kind of their label? What they did was they brought in a lot of, you know, grinded out, tough, hard-nosed players. You know, we talked with Adam Denker about that third line for Tampa that's now completely gone, but you had uh, Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and of course, Barclay Goodrow, who's now with the Rangers. So, you know, that added a little bit of grit, a little bit of toughness, and that line played a huge role in the Lightning's last two marches to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they've since replaced them with some other hard-nosed players as well. Guys like Patrick Maroon, guys like Pierre-Edouard Belmar, uh, guys like Corey Perry. Corey Perry's always going to be a pain in the butt to play against, but you get the idea. The Lightning over the years have kind of seen the importance of adding some of these, you know, gritty, tough, hard-nosed players, and the Rangers have done that as well, because for years, you look at Tampa Bay, they had all the skill, they had all the talent, maybe not enough grit for the Rangers over these past few seasons, it's maybe kind of been the same thing. There's a lot of skill there, a lot of raw ability in the case of some of these younger players, but now, you know, you add guys like Barclay Goodrow, and you add guys like Kevin Rooney, and you add guys like Ryan Reeves, and, you know, even Greg McKay. I think he's played well when he's been out there this season, establishes a physical tone for the Rangers. Uh, Dryden Hunt is somebody that we've talked about quite a bit. So I definitely see some similarities there. Both these teams had the skill, and then, you know, eventually they added the grit and the toughness as well. Does that mean the Rangers are going to win the next two Stanley Cups? No, it doesn't, but... I definitely do see some parallels there, and I'm definitely looking forward to this next game against Tampa Bay. That happens at 12.30 in the afternoon on Sunday, and then the Rangers, that will actually be the first game of a back-to-back because after that, on Monday night, they play host to the Edmonton Oilers. So it's not going to get any easier from here. In our next episode, we're going to definitely be breaking down everything that happens in these next two games, and then maybe like on Wednesday, I'm thinking we'll do kind of like a December recap, just kind of look back at all the highlights, all the lowlights, uh, and just kind of uh, take inventory, see where this Ranger team is, and also look ahead to the month of January as well. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And I'd just like to also wish a... Very happy New Year to everybody out there. Hopefully everybody uh, had a nice time, stayed safe, and uh, you know maybe some of you have been off work this past week. That's always cool as well. And uh, yeah, here's to the New Year, and here's to the Rangers hopefully keeping it rolling and maybe even sweeping the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. We'll see how it shakes out. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms.